Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps women and girls to turn their struggles into strengths. Today, I'm here with my friend and coworker, John Collette of Prototype Training Systems. He leads the nutrition program at Prototype, and he founded it a couple years ago, maybe 2014, was that, John? Yeah, 2014, 2015. 2014, 2015, and he's been helping hundreds of people um, better their relationship with food ever since. And so today we're going to hear his journey uh, about how he came to be a nutrition coach and a CrossFit coach, and we're going to learn about some of his um, adverse life experiences that maybe helped him understand his relationship to health better. So, John, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do? Well, like Leah said, I am. my name is Jonathan Collette. I am one of the coaches and trainers at Prototype Training Systems in Westboro, Massachusetts. Uh, Leah and I both work together. Um, Leah coaches here. Uh, she runs the Empower. She does personal training. Um, I do nutrition and I do personal training and CrossFit coaching as well. Um, so Leo wanted me to talk about like kind of how I got into uh, training and fitness. So um, I got into training and fitness. I guess there's a long and a short answer. The short answer would be that um, I was working with kids when I was going through school. So I was working with youth. Um, and I was enjoying it and I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to be a teacher. I was actually going to school for a bit for graphic design and I very quickly figured out that that is not <laughs> for me. Leah's laughing because Leah knows that I am like always asking questions on how to do things that seem like they're common sense on no, no. the computer. Um, if you need me to do your taxes, I can do that. Not really. I don't know. I'm not good at any of that stuff. Um, so I figured out pretty quickly that sitting down at a computer was not uh, not a good fit for me. So I was working with kids, which I enjoyed because that's that was a part-time thing that I was doing while I was going to school. And um, I enjoyed it because I got the mentor and I was able to be on my feet. I was able to uh, you know move around. It wasn't a sit-down type of job, which definitely fit better for, uh, for you know, kind of how I'm wired, I guess. Um, so uh, Mike, my brother, um, opened Prototype Training Systems in 2012. And he asked me when he opened the gym if I'd be interested in starting the kids program. And I said, all right, so this is a good opportunity to do something that I'm not doing. I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. So yeah, I'm going to go and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this. It sounds, sounds great. So I started the kids program and... Um, you know, early 2013, uh, 2012, um, 
and you know uh, that's kind of the short answer of how I got into this and then um, Mike and Brian so Brian is a, another coach here they were kind of mentored me for um, you know a year uh, and then I started working with clients myself in training and as I went along I like uh, started to get passionate about nutrition um, so I guess that's the short answer and <laughs> the long answer oh man uh, I guess the long answer would be when I was younger, I uh, loved playing sports. When I say younger, I mean probably like um, middle school, maybe even like a little bit before middle school. I loved playing baseball, soccer. I loved doing those things and um, I felt like I was good at them. And um, when I was younger, I remember this one incident and this one incident really changed my life is that I had a baseball coach that... Um, I was on second base and I went to go steal third. And we did this all the time. This was like the first year that you were able to do that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You were able to steal bases. I'm like, this is way better than hitting the ball <laughs> off the tee. Like we can actually like start to like, there's more strategy in the game. So I stole a base and I was safe at second. And then I went to go steal another base and then I got out. And the assistant coach, I remember the assistant coach like reamed me out Oh. in front of like the whole team and said like what were you thinking like trying oh. to steal base like you're clearly not fast enough you're clearly not good enough to be able to do that oh my God. Like, so I was like yeah I was um, I was like um, okay why would I want to play this game anymore especially for this coach that was like terrible and so right then like I didn't play sports anymore that was like wow. that was the that was the thing that changed me from um, playing games and sports and stuff like that that I loved, and I stopped playing because of that one incident. Wow. Um, that was I don't know I was probably <clears throat> eight or nine years old, and then that led up to me gradually like not really knowing what to do with my time mm -hmm. as a kid. My parents were separated when I was probably about 10 years old so then there was like a divorce going on at the same time um, and when I don't know if anyone's experienced their parents getting divorced but there's definitely like a your parents compete for your love yes. type of thing yes so if you go to your mom's house your mom wants you to be you know this is this is the best place to be so there's no rules on you know what to eat, there's no boundaries on any of that type of stuff, mm -hmm. it was, you know, whatever. Same thing on dad's side, oh, you want to go to the movies, you want to get candy and popcorn, cool, let's do it. Like, there was really, like, it was the, like a back and forth type of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not blaming anyone for anything, by the way. Mm -hmm. This was just, a, this was just the situation that happened. Mm -hmm. And since I wasn't playing sports, um, and my parents were separated, like, basically all I did was play video games, because that was... If you're going to be happy at my house and that's what's going to make you happy, then um, cool. Like, why not? So I played video games, ate a bunch of junk food. Uh, shortening the story a little bit, uh, I think I was like 11 or 12 and I was close to 200 pounds. And my doctor said that I was pre-diabetic. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what that means at that point. I just know that the doctor said that I need to lose weight or I'm going to have to get put on medication. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so uh, I guess I went from having no boundaries at all 
to then, you know, uh, having to make these lifestyle changes. And when you are um, very overweight like I was, going to the gym and exercising and doing anything was very intimidating. Um, so I remember once I went to go try out for basketball. This was in like ninth grade and I just remember going to the first tryout and just being like, I never went back, not because they said no or anything like that. I was just like, I am way, uh, I'm not even close to being anywhere near as good at this as anyone else. Mm -hmm. I'm out of shape. <laughs> I can't dribble a ball very well. <laughs> it was just, it was something that I wanted to uh, do, but uh, pretty quickly, like, um, you know, whenever I would um, try something, it would very quickly come, fall short because of how I felt about myself and my confidence. Um, so, uh, why did I get into fitness? Because I had to make, I had a pretty long road from being where I was to where I am uh, currently, and my relationship with food has definitely had a, you know, up and down road of, you know. You can't, like, all these foods are bad. This is why you were unhealthy. And all these foods are good. And having to make that, you know, learn that, um, you know, I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Learning balance, moderation, like learning how to fit all foods into the diet and that all foods are actually, you know, completely fine to have. It's just you want to prioritize, you know, all foods, not just processed foods or just fruits and vegetables because if we look at foods as good and bad then we have this very distorted relationship with food when we have something that we consider not good um, so I got into fitness and nutrition because I want to help other people better understand that because I understand why there's so much confusion based off of the media and also just life experience Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, John. Yeah. I, I'm so sorry you went through that as a kid. That like angered me so much to hear that. Yeah. Um, and it just goes to show the power of words, how incredibly powerful they are, how they can change somebody's entire life or mindset in just seconds, right? Totally. And so like the first thing is is noticing that his mindset just shifted because of this one coach who probably didn't have the right training to work with kids and probably didn't have the right mindset or growth mindset to help somebody learn from things rather than put them down. Uh, and so that really set the stage for how John viewed himself growing up, which developmentally we know that our identity is formed there. So how do you think that that shaped like your identity in terms of what you felt like you deserved and how you looked at yourself? I don't know. I guess I just didn't feel confident, you know. Mm -hmm. Wasn't as outgoing as I am now. Mm -hmm. I um, I don't know. I think, like, the big thing, too, was that because I missed out on a lot of stuff in, in my youth is that you don't get those bonds that you have with, like, you know, your teammates and things like that. Mm -hmm. So friendships I had were the friends that wanted to go to McDonald's or... Mm. The friends that wanted to go into the woods and smoke weed. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> um, that was, you know, that was that was the people I surrounded myself with. Um, because I was also 
sorry if I'm stuttering. There's a mosquito. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to fight this bug in here. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think based off of what happened in my youth, it also impacted, you know, kind of the friends that, and, uh, you know, um, life experiences that all kids should, uh, should, um, experience, you know, um, being around people that want to do things other than video games, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. having an actual hobby. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And um, for our listeners too, so adverse child life experiences, they're called ACEs, um, predispose children to have health complications when they're either preteen or adults. One of those is an increased risk for diabetes. And so the divorce, Mm -hmm. um, probably definitely like, probably definitely, (laughs) it absolutely probably impacted your ability to just feel at home and to feel safe. My parents are both divorced, and I remember that whole push and pull thing. It was like really kind of, I didn't know where I fit in the family. I felt like I had to be a pleaser to both of them. Um, How did that impact your your view of like your relationship to self? How did what exactly, sorry? The divorce, I'm sorry, yeah. Oh. I don't know. I felt like a care package. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it was um, uh, some of the friends that I had lived closer to one parent than the other. So it was like every other weekend you'd have to go ahead and be away from your friends. So it was kind of like this weird thing of like, okay, like it's not that you love one parent more than the other, but there was one household that was that you preferred yeah, to be in. Yeah, of course. Um, so... Well, so you said you kind of felt like a care package, which, um, so like oftentimes in a divorce where we're bouncing back and forth, we learn to kind of like almost be a chameleon to the environment we are in. And then we kind of learn to, um, mimic other people or identities, not necessarily the same between houses. And so we learn very quickly to like please others and maybe undervalue our own self care. Mm -hmm. Can you relate to that? Uh, I mean, I definitely didn't value self-care. I, I mean, I didn't do, I didn't do much or have much influence to, um, mm. to care. Yeah. You know, I never went to the gym or had anyone say, hey, do you want to go to the gym mm-hmm. with me? I didn't have that. So I don't know if it was that I didn't care or that I didn't have the support system to want to, um, take those steps. I mean, I think when my doctor kind of gave me a little wake up call, that's when I started making, um, different choices when it came to what I was eating. But mm-hmm. it's funny as you go along and the more you learn your standards change. Yep. I went from like, uh, I don't know, having like two or three like Mountain Dews in a day to having like one mm-hmm. and then having like I don't know iced tea versus having soda every day mm-hmm. to having flavored water instead of um, iced tea to having like more water it was mm-hmm. kind of like uh, it didn't happen overnight let's mm-hmm. just say that mm-hmm. with like kind of how some decisions were made yeah and the way that John made those is based in habit changing and slowly over time so that it's sustainable which kind of brings us to our next topic of sustainable nutrition a lot of what empowered does is try to take women and girls who have been disempowered by trauma or eating disorders 
and help them form better relationships with their self, um, their strength, and their nutrition. So tell us a little bit about the diet culture that you see when people come in and try to work, start working with you. What kind of diet culture signs are there? There's always, have you heard this or I heard about this and um, the advertisements for constant need for rapid weight loss, mm-hmm. which I listen to this radio station every day. Um, it's a sports hub radio station and every single day they have an advertisement for weight loss and the guy, um, one of the... Um, uh, the host that does the show testifies that he's done it and he lost 25 pounds in his first week. Yikes. And who, who, who's to say that that's what should be done or what is the, like, like why does, like, why does that need to happen so fast? Like, what mm-hmm. is the rush, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're almost like, um, we're almost like fed is like things need to happen quickly and things need to happen right now versus like working on the things and the behaviors that got you to where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's like, hey, I have, here's your, here's your symptom or here's your problem and here's the solution. And the solution always typically costs some money. Yeah. So it's usually like a marketing tool of, hey, like, do you feel this way or do you want to change this about yourself? Well, we have a solution for you. It's this detox or this, um, you know, this pill or, you know, this, um, this program, which is guaranteeing something that, you know, um, that shouldn't be guaranteed. Like it should be something that should be like a support type of system versus a, you know, an easy quick fix because the quick fixes never teach you how to be able to keep the weight off if you were at an unhealthy weight and you need to lose weight. Or, you know, um, how to be able to like apply that to real life. Like what happens when you're not on that meal plan? Right. Right? Like. If you have a prescribed prescription for what to do, well, what happens when your uncle dies? Mm-hmm. You know, like what happens when there's like an experience that you're like, okay, like this is an emotional response to this. Like now that's when we have to be so in tuned with ourselves that we, um, you know, we can um we don't have to have like this like all or nothing type of approach where you're on or off the plan, you know? Absolutely. Um, Just for some of our listeners, I do want to note that it is really, really hard to go from being immersed in diet culture to then go into eating disorder recovery because Mm -hmm. at the treatment centers, um, a lot of our girls and clients have expressed that they enroll and they're meant to feel well they're not made to meant to feel but they're made to feel punished for having strict food rules and then they go and they're given strict food rules in these treatment centers but they're not taught any behavior modification as much and they're not really focusing on small changes or healthy habit building and things like that so it's a kind of like a a quick situation where they put these girls in this big treatment center 
like make them refeed very, very quickly at rapid rates without giving them the skill sets to then navigate life without a meal plan, right? And so um, if you're in eating disorder retreat, treatment and recovery, just know that having a meal plan um, is a normal part of recovery, but at some point it's our hope to get you confident enough and at a healthy enough point where you don't need a meal, meal plan anymore. Right, it should almost be like a blueprint, like, yeah. you know, um, to get a better idea for what's the appropriate amount. Mm-hmm. I uh, do not have experience in eating disorder, so if I do say anything that is, uh, you know, triggering in any way, I'm sorry. No, you, um, you're good. <laughs> you have not said anything. Um, but you just mentioned that, you know, um, there isn't that... Uh, for these young women that do have eating, eating disorders, that it's a a prescription for eat this much food and this will fix mm-hmm. where you are now. Mm-hmm. When you just you just said it, like there's so much emotional uh, response to food mm-hmm. that even if you were to follow that plan, if there's no internal work happening, like that's like what like that's like. It's like um, it's like a puzzle missing a few pieces to it. Exactly. It's never gonna be it's never gonna like be a hundred percent without working on all those aspects. Mm-hmm. And the other hard part too is that a lot of um, it is therapy focused, but the therapy focus doesn't necessarily include the health focus. It's more the mindset. So Empower tries to like tie it all together to help people bring the mindset stuff to the health health world and kind of merge those together and you do a lot of mindset stuff why don't you tell us a little bit about the neurotyping uh that you do this is fascinating i i'm just I'm in love with this oh um well some of the neurotyping stuff is you know it's kind of doing things based off of what you're naturally more um you know you're more um like what kind of fits you best like someone that has like a lot of stress and anxiety like should probably not be on like a very low carbohydrate diet because mm. you know carbohydrates can help reduce stress and anxiety because it's comforting that's why we go towards those type of foods so some uh some of the things that you know some of the things that are going into our day-to-day and then it also go align with like our personality the type of person we are should also like align with our nutrition like someone for example that is very regimented you know they're like they do they're um, someone that likes to master a skill like they work on something like monotonously that person can go ahead and probably have a totally different way of approaching their nutrition than someone that you know craves having like a lot of like variety like they mm. get bored very easily that's why like nutrition so individualized that we don't want to necessarily do what our friends are doing because what your friends doing may work well for them but it may not work well for you you know yeah would it be possible for me to give you like some personality traits of some of the girls in our program or like the the personalities that maybe come with eating disorders sometimes and if you can maybe touch upon what neurotype would be best in terms of an approach for exercise and food um i could but i feel like there's a lot more to it emotionally that sure you know but yeah if you want to give me some 
personality yeah. characteristic. Sure, sure. I think it's just um, a fun exercise to see like, oh, yeah, that does align with my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just first say that every experience is individualized. Nobody is the same when it comes to eating disorders, but there are some common traits. Right. Um, a lot of them tend to be more type A personalities, um, have been through some rougher experiences, maybe experience highs and lows, um, maybe tend to have more of an emotional uh, experience with people. Um, they also tend to commit to things wholeheartedly and want to be maybe perfect at the things that they do, so have perfectionist tendencies. Yeah. Did you want me to like kind of describe what like what type of personality each yeah. one would be? Yeah. So there's like there's five different personality characteristics um, or neurotypes. Um, so a one A, one B, two A, two B, and a type three. So your type ones are gonna be um, more like muscularly um, driven. Um, sorry, like neurologically driven. Type twos are muscularly driven. So neurological means that they like and crave intensity. Um, so a type one might be the type of person that would, they would argue with you even if you agreed with them. Um, so those types of people, um, they aren't the most patient. So if we better understand that the people that aren't going to be the most patient, then we probably want to go ahead and make sure that they do see some progress quick in a obviously like a healthy way but quick progress could be allowing that person to go ahead and you know increase their squat a little bit more each week to allow them to go ahead and see that they are getting stronger Mm -hmm. that's just in the um, application of exercise Um, from a trauma perspective um, we find that people who have gone through addiction mm -hmm. actually tend to fit that kind of exercise type and needing that high intensity yeah. change circuits and so CrossFit can be really therapeutic to people who are in recovery. It's funny because um, type 1 A's are dopamine sensitive mm-hmm. so dopamine is like the main neurotransmitter that's driving the um, driving like their choices so mm. dopamine is uh, when you're when you have a low resting level of dopamine, it means that you can go ahead and have a pretty severe response to when you get a um, dopamine hit. So, dopamine's a session—it's um, pretty much the the, the neurotransmitter that um, makes you feel good. So, like if you were to go ahead and um, you know eat a piece of candy, you're gonna get a little bit of a dopamine hit because it's comforting, it feels good. When you gamble, you're gonna get a little bit of like um, a dopamine hit, and you're also gonna get a little bit of an adrenaline rush. And those two neurotransmitters actually go hand in hand with each mm. other. So we find that um, people that are dopamine sensitive are more like prone to addiction mm. um, because of those reasons. Um, it's fascinating. Now there's. Uh, there's not just like you don't just fit like one profile Mm -hmm. so some people could be like very type three where type three is like very like structural like everything like uh, the things they do they want to feel in control that's the main thing that they want they want to feel in control of everything that they do Mm -hmm. if they don't feel in control it doesn't they don't do well 
They want to have like complete control of whether it's their body. They want to have complete control of um, what they're, I mean, usually type threes are the type of people too that are going to be, um, they're not necessarily like not good at taking orders, but they're usually pretty good at like giving direction because mm-hmm. they want to like be in kind of control mm-hmm. of like all the things around them. Um, but a, a type three is going to be like the complete opposite spectrum of like a 1A. Yeah, and so with regards to the work that we do, this is where somebody who might um, have experienced severe restriction or like um, anorexia might come into play with those characteristics where they want to change their body, it feels good to be in control of their body, and they're dedicated to this to the point where they won't break away from that whole whole uh, rigid uh, structure basically. And when people go through trauma, especially we seek to find control in other ways. So a type three sounds like it would be something like a lot of people would use endurance, like running um, and stuff like that to help with the feelings that they were feeling to feel better and more in control. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And type threes are also like more prone to feeling like, uh, uh, like anxious and having Mm. that anxiety. It's okay. this neurotransmitter called your GABA. Mm-hmm. So their GABA levels are um, naturally low. Mm-hmm. So um, things that can trigger um, increasing your GABA, which I hear Leah talk about all the time, is like um, doing exercises that help, uh, you know, that are more on the parasympathetic side, which, you know, aren't going... They're going to help decrease. They're going to be less stressful than... Um, did I say that backwards? No, you did all right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So you want to have actions that are going to be able to trigger reducing um, your cortisol levels in your stress, like deep breathing, journaling, meditating, all those types of actions that can kind of help you not have your neurons fire so fast. That's what anxiety mm-hmm. is, is like your um, neurons in your brain like firing at such a fast rate that... Um, or some of it happens too much, like you have like panic attack type of things, that would be like a little bit of like an extreme, but uh, you know, um, we've all felt like what anxiety feels mm-hmm. like, but um, that's why like if we do experience that type of stuff, like it's so important to have um, protocols to be able to work on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a lot of times when people come to us having done severe caloric restriction or maybe endurance running to control their body, we stop that kind of activity and we actually program weightlifting with a mindfulness component so that they can really kind of tune into the muscles that are working and connect with their breath and downregulate. Yeah. So that's so cool that all this stuff kind of connects like that. Um, if you guys are interested in this neurotyping further and want to maybe work with John, uh, he is available at john at prototypetrainingsystems.com. Oh no, it's John at prototypetraining.com. Prototypetraining.com, yeah. Prototypetraining.com. Um, but yeah, another thing I wanted to talk about, aside from the, the mindset and neuro uh, aspect, is going to be the social aspect and the social media aspect of food. We talked a lot about quick fixes and fad diets, but what about from a social perspective, competition, um, like looking like other people, fitting in, where do you see that come into play with nutrition? Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to get into the whole algorithm of Instagram, but yeah, like, yeah. you find that, uh, 
what you look at most, you're going to keep getting fed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, um, are you, if you're constantly looking at those types of things and engaging in those types of things, you're going to be fed it more often. So if you're constantly engaging in, you know, three foods to burn fat fast, like those, you're going to continue to get fed that. And then there's also like, there's so much misinformation online. Mm-hmm. So there's so much like confusion of like, what is actually fact and what's you know a little bit overblown because you could probably go ahead and say you could have the argument that grapefruit's good for you but it's not a magical food Mm -hmm. right so that's where like this like this this line of like what's fact and what's fiction gets blurred all the time Mm -hmm. on social media and then you see these um these influencers Mm -hmm. that you know most of the time they're like they're shredded and they probably like work out like five six times a week they lift weights and then they say that intermittent fasting is the cure to fat loss Mm -hmm. and then you're like well is that the only thing that i need to do Mm -hmm. because like i've tried that and it's not working so do i need to like increase my fasting window like there's Mm -hmm. so many like questions that end up being asked when it's really hard for one for someone to get their message across with what they're trying to say on a platform and then there's also people that are just like outright just trying to mislead you just to right. be able to get like more content viewers. Right, right. And I'll, I'll say this, and I think I think John would agree, but you can tell me if I'm wrong, um, that if you are working with somebody who tells you there is only one way to reach your goal, then you need to find somebody different because it should be individualized and fit to your lifestyle. And there are multiple ways to reach your goals that can make the path easier and and less hard uh while keeping health a priority yeah no 100 percent agree a good question i always ask is when if, if something's presented as being better ask the question compared to what mm. what is it better than um is you know uh kiwi is the best thing that you can have compared to compared to what like, are we comparing it to, like, an ice cream cone? Sure, that's an easy argument, but if you were to say an ice cream cone is bad for you, then you have to put that in context, too, of saying, well, why is that bad for me? Mm-hmm. We have to continue to ask questions. Yeah. Like, is it bad for me because it doesn't have a lot of vitamins and minerals, or is it bad for me because it's not overly filling, and if we just have our whole day with stuff that doesn't that isn't overly filling and doesn't have a lot of nutrients, it's probably not going to make us feel our best because we're going to have these energy fluctuations we're going to feel tired which is going to lead to us wanting to sleep not make us feel very motivated to move our body and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's not the one thing in isolation that is usually promoted as being either better or worse Mm -hmm. for you you have to look at your diet as a whole Mm -hmm. um I think Lee and I will both admit that we both have things like alcohol and we both have things like Mm -hmm. ice cream and we both have things like potato chips, but that's not our entire diet. Right, right. You know. We enjoy them and we also enjoy vegetables and grains and things like that. We enjoy all foods. We have an approach of all foods fit, basically. Um, So before we wrap this up, John, I want to ask for maybe a couple different tips you could give to our listeners. Most of our listeners have been through trauma or are recovering from an eating disorder, which really um, it skews our ability to take care of ourselves. And a lot of times nutrition falls by the wayside. 
what are some tips to go back to the basics for anyone who's just trying to like not press the reset button but to establish a foundation of self-care through nutrition if you're um some people could really benefit from sleeping more Mm -hmm. and that could change their entire nutrition right um some people could benefit from having more water Mm. and that could lead to less uh less cravings and you know feeling like they have more energy more motivated Mm. you know more inclined to go ahead and say yeah I do want to go out with you you know I want to go out of my house like Mm -hmm. just having like better energy can be you know so many different things can happen from one thing um but I think I mean if I were to give myself advice when I was young as I'd say you don't have to you don't have to worry about everything at once yeah you know, like what's one thing you want to work on today? Mm-hmm. Um, and that one thing might look different for everyone. It's okay. Um, today I want to go for a walk because I haven't been doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that might change so many different things that happen the next day because you might realize that made me feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when it comes to like habits and stuff like that, it's well, what's there could be. If you have a habit that you want to go ahead and um, change, you have to first identify what that habit is, and then we have to find something else that we really enjoy that makes us feel the same way. Mm. So we go towards things that are going to give us that similar feeling, uh, what we're craving when it comes to that feeling that is not um, sabotaging to us, and... um, then we build upon that. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from that, I gather, is that we want to honor our hunger, yeah, nourish our body, and honor our like our mindset and our heart too. So we want to be filled with joy and we want to honor our body at the same time. So I always kind of ask people like to ask themselves, does this bring me joy? Is this like helping my body or hurting my body? And um, is this balanced? And those are the three questions. And if it doesn't check those boxes, then you probably are engaging in some sort of restriction or diet culture related messaging. It's so true though, like, uh, like, like <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to eat enough food to be able to go ahead and um, feel your best. And sometimes we look at food as like, okay, this food right here is going to cause me for my body to change in a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's how I used to look at food. Mm-hmm. If I eat this, it's going to make me fat. Mm-hmm. If I eat this, then this is going to make me skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, versus looking as, if I eat this, it is going to make me feel good. It's going to give me some energy. Mm-hmm. And it's if I'm going to go and run five miles, I want to go ahead and drink some Gatorade before I do it. But what some people might say, oh, Gatorade is bad for you. It's mm-hmm. got chemicals, all this, all this stuff. I love Gatorade. Yeah, so we have to like always like look at things as like we got to fuel our bodies. That should be the mindset is like fueling our bodies and preserving our bodies. Lifting weights is going to make us feel strong. It's going to give us the abilities to do things that we didn't think that we could do. Mm-hmm. And it's going to keep us uh, living a longer and healthier life. Versus looking at things in the context of, you know, I 
need to look like the people in the magazine because we don't know what their life is like and most of the time people in the magazines are not happy people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are either avoiding social life they're in the gym you know constantly or they are just honestly not feeling good uh, anyone that's ever done like a bodybuilding show or anything like that there's so much um, I personally like don't love the idea of doing that type of Mm-mm, stuff because it's just like it just leads to so many different uh, so many different things that could go wrong I mean there's like so many hormonal issues that happen when we do mm-hmm. those types of extremes so like aesthetics like how you look doesn't that doesn't always mean that that's that's healthy either and right that's probably like one of the hard things to understand is think that skinny is healthy and fat is not when you know we have to look at it as like um you know we have to like we have to look like how's our mental health how's our energy how's our sleep mm-hmm. are we able to you know are we able to go for a run or lift some weights without feeling like uh you know, we're going to hurt ourselves, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. fuel is, uh, food is fuel. Yeah. Leave there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. I would love to have you back to dive deeper into the neurotyping because I think it is really cool in relation to trauma and the work that we're doing. So thank you so much. And if you guys want to find John, you can find him at prototype training systems.com. And you can also find us at prototype training on Instagram. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at Empowered Rx, or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the Empowered Rx community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.